Whether you are a quilter, a gardener, or you just love bold, exuberant designs, today's guest, world-renowned artist Jane Sassman, brings all that to the table. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore quilting stories that will inspire, motivate, and bring you more joy and less overwhelm on your own creative path. For me, it's all about the story, the connections, and building community. I love to put the spotlight on creators and share what they're doing with the world so you can connect with them and take part in their adventures. I'm your host, Brandy Mislowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share this week's episode with you. So here we go. My guest today is Jane Sassaman. She is a world-renowned artist known for her expressive art quilts and fabric designs. Her bold, colorful, abstracted-from-nature quilts are instantly recognizable, and her quilts have been shown in many national and international exhibits. She is the author of The Quilted Garden, which featured 20 years of her work, and Patrick Sassaman style, which beautifully illustrates her fabric in action. And she also brings that joy to quilters and sewists worldwide with her fanciful fabric design with Free Spirit Fabrics. So let's explore the story of Jane Sassaman. Jane, welcome to the show. Hi, Brandy. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. Now, I have been pouring through your gorgeous website, and I saw mention of 1980 as the year you started quilting. So let's take a little look back at where you got started. When do you first remember putting stitch to fabric? Oh, goodness. I'm, you know, I'm like every other American girl who had junior high home ec, and I had really lovely home ec teachers and between the home ec department and the art department was always where I got my joy, you know, starting as a kid. But it wasn't until 1980 when I saw Nancy Crow's quilt on the cover of American Craft that just all the pieces fell together because I knew that I wanted to be a master of some kind of fine esoteric craft. Craftsmanship is really (laughs) important to me. And so when I saw that quilt, I thought, this is it. This has everything that I've been looking for because I dabbled with jewelry and, you know, printing and all those kinds of things. And also at that time period, the decorative and ornamental art movement was really happening. And that grew out of uh, feminism. And people started using everyday materials like fabric and lace and things that females would have a relationship to and putting them into their paintings or sculptures, whatever they were doing. And Those two movements, the pattern and decoration movement and the art quilt movement, they just go hand in hand with each other. And if you look at the book that Sakwa has put out about the history of the art quilt movement, you can see the influence. So there was 
I don't know what you call it, the hundred monkeys, you know, something in the ether. And that first wave of quilters was starting to get recognized. And so I consider myself a second wave quilter, and I was able to really benefit from the path that that first wave laid down for us coming along in the future and um, made us realize that we could actually earn a living as an artist and a fiber artist. Yeah, and you have certainly been riding a strong wave because your designs and color and aesthetic just explode off the page. And so I really want to get back right to 1980 where you made your very first quilt. So what was that like? Like Nancy Crow's quilt. (laughs) It was strip pieced. I didn't even know there was a term, but, you know, I had a sewing machine and I had fabric. And so I just started and I didn't know about quarter inch seams in those days, too. We didn't have rotary cutters. So we were cutting templates with cardboard and, and that kind of thing. And it wasn't too many years after I started that then I discovered applique. And that's really when my quilts started looking like my quilts and not like like somebody else's quilts. To be able to mix organic shapes in with geometric shapes, that's when my language, you know, started <laughs> started to evolve. And so I pieced and the applique snuck in until finally the applique just totally took over. I think in portable shapes now, not in um, pieces that can't be moved. Yeah, and I, I think we can safely say that you have, you know, a signature sort of stacked type of, how do I describe it? It's an applique where where pieces are stacked in different areas, right? And they just go together so well. Oh, I, I can't wait to dive into your process a little bit later in the podcast and talk about how you put it all together and how you stitch it. But <laughs> can we go from there and talk about how your love for quilting blossomed from those very early days? Oh, goodness. Well, I was a, a freelance designer and I, my son was born in 81, so of course I discovered my passion and, and immediately had a some opposition, let's say. But in the during that time, when he was small and I was still freelancing and I was quilting in every free moment that, that I had back then, and I definitely quilted in the closet for a long, long time. And I think that's one reason that my style was able to be so definite, because I was just winging it. And whatever made sense, that's what I what I did. I think, in a way, had I been taking classes from the very beginning, I maybe would have been more imitative in in my work. Mm-hmm. But by being on my own, I think that helped to keep my vision a little clearer for a while. Of course, it took me twice as long to learn everything I learned because I did it wrong, you know, until I finally learned how, you know, figured out how to do it right. But it was not a bad thing. Yeah. 
So why do you say that you were sort of quilting in the closet or quilting and hiding rather than just going to, you know, your local shop or guild or taking all those classes? Why did you do that? Because you were at I didn't, home with... I didn't know there was a guild. Ah. Even. And eventually I did discover the guild and I would go. And at that time period, the Illinois Quilters was really big because the movement was really happening. And I'd sit in the very back of the room, and nobody knew what I was doing. And every time, <laughs> there was this red-headed woman who would get up on stage for show and tell. And she'd say, oh, my, I just got this back from a show where I thought I'd bring it this and show it to you before I send it out somewhere. And I tell you, that gal just irritated me so <laughs> much because nobody knew what I was doing while well, I hadn't shown anybody what I was doing. Duh. Yeah. And and I'd come home and I'd say, she was there again. And she wasn't mean to me. She, you know, I'd never talked to her or anything. And but she was doing exactly what I knew I wanted to be doing. And nobody knew what I was doing. And finally, after working on a piece for four years and another baby, it was finished. And I took it for show and tell all that time. And it was terrifying. <laughs> but when they held that quilt up on the stage, the whole room went, oh! <gasps> like that oh, yeah. and so I I quivered my way back to my seat because it was so petrifying and that red-headed woman was standing there by my chair oh. and she said oh my goodness your work is wonderful we're starting a an art critique quilt group would you like to come and join us well from the master and you might probably guess that that redheaded lady was Carol Breyer Fallard. Wow. So, you know, a mentor from the get-go. And from her, I've learned so much, but especially about just being who you are and sharing what you know. Don't be afraid to, to do that. You know, it's not going to hurt you at all. And... I, I carry that with me as a teacher. If I know it, I'm going to tell you how <laughs> how yeah. I do it and and see if it works works for you too. Yeah, and it's so heartwarming that she was showing her quilts and doing what you really dreamed of doing and actually irritating you to the point where it ignited you and it fueled oh, you. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> she, she caused me to jump, you know? <laughs> yeah. To, to make that movement, but then she was there to catch me. So uh, literally. Yeah, so great. Um, when I took that first painful step of trying to show what what I was doing. So. Oh. so let's get into where you are living now and who are your loved ones that you share your world with every day? Well, we live in the country now. We did raise the family in the city, but when the kids got to a certain age, we decided they could go on their own and we were going to leave the hustle and, and the bustle. 
And so we're in northern Illinois, just a few miles from the Wisconsin border, and enjoying nature every day. So really, all I have to do is walk out the door, and there's something wonderful to inspire me. And so a lot of my quilts are about things that I'm very familiar with, plants that I'm very familiar with, or critters. And it's my husband and I, but our son and his family live in Chicago still. And my daughter comes and goes between Northern Ireland and here. So she spends a few months here and a few months there. And so she's back and forth, which is really, really wonderful. Okay, so let's get right back into the story. So early on, you had a few children and you were dabbling in the beginnings of quilting. You made your first incredible quilt to show at your quilting guild. So did you make a transition into quilting full-time over a career or did you go from doing something else to getting into quilting as a career? Yeah, I mean, I had all kinds of art jobs before I discovered quilting from store display at the Crate and Barrel for many years and working on children's educational materials. And then as a designer for a company called Sylvestri for many, many years. And the quilting just kind of gradually took over. And I seem to remember that Sylvester changed hands or something like that. So it became a natural transition. My husband was a filmmaker. And so <laughs> things were always very iffy at our house. <laughs> because two freelancers in one family is not necessarily a real good idea. And of course, we sent our kids to the Waldorf School, which is a private school. So things were always extremely slim at our, <laughs> at our house, but we're still standing. We were just very stubborn. It would have been harder for us to give in and, you know, get a regular job mm -hmm. than it was to be starving artists. And there was a point at one time when things were just, oh, I'm like, somebody's got to do something in this house. We're going to just fall, fall apart. And so I looked at the, the Tribune in the job ads, and there was an ad for Mary Inglebright's company, which is down in St. Louis. And so and they were looking for somebody to do exactly what I was doing for Silvestri, which was drafting by hand. This was pre-computer, three-dimensional drawings of objects. You know, so a picture frame, a bowl, a cup, a candlestick, a top view, side view, back, you know, all that kind of stuff for Mary's products. And they had... Uh, illustrate or reproduce two of her greeting cards and mailed them down and they were good enough and they flew me down to St. Louis to Mary Engelbright's office and I I felt so desperate at that time <laughs> that I took every skill that I was capable of with me to share just in case any of it would be useful to them. 
And I happened to be working on the willow quilt at the time. It was being quilted, I think, at that that time. But I took it with me. And the interview was wonderful. Her office was like going into a wonderland. It was just really something. And I got to meet her and some of her crew there. And I didn't end up working for her, but because I brought the willow quilt, I was one of the artists that she featured in one of her very first issues of the Mary Inglebright magazine. And that was a real big deal, a real big deal. And here again, there's another artist who's willing to share their light with other creative people. And every issue of her magazine had four featured artists, you know. Yeah. So she was she was sharing her energy with us. Wow. And that's exactly what what happened. It was another way of of getting that work out into out into the world. What a defining moment. And can you tell us a little bit more about that quilt? Let's dive into the willow quilt because I know that that it has quite a nice accolade on it, right? It, it was chosen as the 100 best. Well, you tell us. You tell us. Well, it was it was so surprising. I didn't even know they were doing this, but it was named one of the 100 best quilts of the century. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> and that quilt was a monster to make. And it's still feeding me back energy to this day. And that's the way I look at all, all my quilts. You know, when it's done, it's on its own. It's yeah. got to go out into the world and hopefully get some energy back from all the energy that went into to making that piece. Yeah. But that piece is also extremely optimistic. I think that's one thing that attracts people to it a lot. It was made as an encouragement for my daughter, Willow, who is very much like her mom in way too many ways. <laughs> so she works very hard and she takes things very seriously. And this quilt was meant to say, it's okay, have fun, enjoy yourself, and be happy. I think people feel that. Yeah, I think people feel that too. So can you describe to us what it looks like? Yes, it's got a big weeping willow that's leaning in one direction in the center of the quilt. And the border of the quilt is absolutely jam-packed with flowers and bugs and and butterflies. And it was big. It it grew off my wall, uh, so I had to stand on a ladder <laughs> to reach part of it. And I didn't cut any corners. Well, I never do, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> if a quilt tells me that it needs something, then it needs it. And I... I might argue with it for a week, but it's going to win because I know it's right. What it needs, it needs. So, and yeah. this quilt was one of those. It, it needed it 
needed a lot of attention. <laughs> when I discovered the pattern and decoration movement, you know, that was really the first time I thought, oh man, I think I'm going to fit here somewhere. Because here's all these people thinking the same way that I'm thinking and we don't know anything about each other, but there's something in, in the ether. And with the Willow Quilt 2, it's the first time I ever entered it. In Well, I did have Quilt National Quilts. That was really where I was very interested in, in art quilts. But this was the first time that I entered a piece in Houston. And it won a nice prize there. And it also then afterwards was featured on Quilter's Newsletter. Oh, nice. And people got to see it. More people see Quilter's Newsletter than get to go to Houston. And basically, that's how I chose the shows that I would show in or enter. Because in those days, a lot of shows had books that went with them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the important thing. How many people can can see it? Yeah, you know, absolutely. it makes a difference. So. Yeah, and if you're listening right now, Jane mentioned Sakwa, which is Studio Art Quilt Associates. So you can always look up sakwa.com if you're interested in learning more about that. So I love the design aesthetic that you bring to the world. So I want to talk about how you put this together. So how would you describe your applique style? Collage applique. The quilts are not pre-designed. I like to make my shapes and let those shapes react to each other. I like the discovery process along the way. Working this way, I've got creative decisions to make from start to finish. In the old days, I would draw a quilt up and then make exactly what the drawing looked like. But once I discovered applique, I discovered that I could make changes along the way. It was portable. I could move that wiggly line anywhere I wanted it to go. I could open up a seam and stick another shape in there. And I don't know, I think in shapes. I'm collecting shapes all the time. And when a shape speaks my language, it becomes my shape. And there are certain shapes that do speak my language that you see repeatedly in my work spirals for sure because that's energy that's growth seeds again energy and growth and potential dandelions tenacious (laughs) stubbornness and naive joyfulness I guess and that's half the battle I think is finding those symbols those shapes that help you say what you want to say I don't own the spiral, but I certainly have claimed the spiral. And if you see that in a quilt, I'm afraid you probably think of me. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's fascinating to watch how your new designs unfold and come into the world because it's kind of obvious that you live in nature, or at least you're inspired by nature. And you take what you see in the world, you capture it, and then you make an abstracted version, adding this explosion of color and design. So I just, I love talking about your process. So when you 
do see something in the world, like in your backyard, how do you capture that and translate it? Like, what is your process? Do you do everything pencil and paper? Do you use computer nowadays? How do you design? Yeah, I think it starts with the observation. I'm always very, very aware, you know, when I see a plant, for example, automatically, it's got six petals, the leaf is doing this, its skeleton is growing like this. I'm just mentally recording all those characteristics that then I'm going to take and I'm going to simplify and exaggerate. And whatever it is that you like best about that plant, that's the thing you really want to exaggerate. You know, if it's if it's the stamen that really float your boat, well, you don't want winky tiny little stamen. You want to make a definite, you know, shape. And so that's basically how I work. But I'm working. I love pencil and paper. I just love the feel of pencil on paper. I get Perverse pleasure, drawing beautiful lines and beautiful shapes. And I love tracing paper to rework. And let's try this. Let's try that. What if we make it, you know, stretch it out? What What if, what if, what if? And so I just love that exploration from start to finish, the yeah. whole process. Oh, I just love how you said simplify and exaggerate. That is almost like a creative prompt that anyone could use in their own art practice. That's so inspiring. And so how do you infuse your color into the picture? Where do you pull your color inspiration from? Oh, goodness. Well, just like everybody else, I've been collecting fabrics for 40 years. <laughs> so I've got a pretty hefty collection of hand-dyed fabrics. And my art quilts are, applique quilts are mostly solids. I don't, to me, it's, it's uh, color for me is kind of hard to talk about because it is so instinctive. I'm not thinking color wheels and, you know, adjacent colors and this and that, but Contrast is where it's at for me. Contrast in shape, contrast in color, and very often contrast in attitude. Meaning I like to sneak in, you know, a little poisonous plant or some <laughs> dangerous spikes or thorns or something in there. Just as a, my quiet quilterly way of being slightly subversive, I guess. That is a contrast of attitude. People, some people don't notice that at all, and other people pick up on it right away. <laughs> and I'll never forget. Oh, it's been many years, but I was in California and going to do a lecture. And, oh, it was great, a great venue. And they actually hung my quilts all around the room, which, really, frankly, doesn't happen very often. And so I just had to wait for my turn, you know. So I just sat down in an empty chair. And the lady I sat down to next to had no idea I was the speaker for the night. And she leans over to me and she, <laughs> she says, I don't know about you, 
but these look like nightmares to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the honesty coming out. And I was, I was thrilled. I was delighted. <laughs> and when I got up to speak, she probably died a thousand deaths <laughs> because she had no idea who she was talking to. <laughs> but I thought it was wonderful. And she picked up on that. You know that sub <laughs> subterranean idea that was was in there. That little subtle message, I love it. So, what do you think it is in your designs and your quilts that really resonates with the quilter? Oh, I think it's it's the boldness, the graphicness, probably. Also, I do have a gravitation toward formality. So very often there is some pattern or repetition in there somehow. Sometimes symmetry, not always, but it happens. And so I think part of that is sometimes easier to digest. Mm -hmm. Plus my subject matter is basically non-threatening, even though I do put those dangerous things in there. In essence, they're very optimistic and enthusiastic designs. I'm not an issue-driven quilter. I don't want to rub people's noses in what's wrong with the world, and God knows these days, there's a lot. And so I'm on the other end of the scale. I'm trying to get people's face out of the mud and up to the sun. Yeah. Because there's still so many wonderful things going on, and it's really easy to forget Yeah, all the positive things yeah. that people are doing, too. Now, before we jump from quilt design into fabric design. I have one more question about quilt design, and that is how do you marry your thread with the color and fabrics? Well, for every quilt, anybody who's been in class will recognize this. I'm always talking about the rules to grow by. And Mother Nature uses rules to grow by. So that's why we know every oak leaf is an oak leaf and a rose is a rose, right? Because they're growing by a certain set of, of rules. And the same thing applies to a composition. I'm going to give myself a set of rules. So I'm going to say, every time I stitch an oak leaf in a composition, I'm going to choose a matching thread or I'm going to use a shade lighter thread or a shade darker thread and it's going to be consistent through the entire piece and in some pieces I maybe decide I'm really playing with gradation of color so I might have a medium green fabric finished with a light green thread on the edge and then going to an even brighter green or white quilting thread to make that transition from dark to light happen with individual materials. You know, so your eye watches that or feels that gradation of color, the glow that is created when you do something like that. So each quilt has its own set of rules according to, you know, how graphic I want it to be, how sharp edged I want it to be. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the stitching, the stitching is 
kind of the icing on the cake, you know, indefinitely than the quilting is, is yeah. the, that final finish. Yeah. Okay. And there's one more design question that I'm really interested in. And so imagine someone is standing in front of one of your quilts and they're in awe, of course, but they're just thinking to themselves, how is this possible? Can you give us a little glimpse into the process of compiling the fabrics and maybe a little bit about the technique or the products you use to put it together? Sure. Basically, I treat fabric more like paper. And in order to do that, I back everything with iron-on interfacing. Pellon, sure, Taylor. I use a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> but it gives it gives the fabric body and it gives it stability. And I can cut out very specific shapes that are very easy to handle and manipulate and to stitch. That's kind of the basis of everything. So I can cut fabric just like I can cut a piece of construction paper, you know, yeah. that exactly. Yeah. And then combining different shapes to make a blossom, for example. Yeah. I'm going to try to make units that are the most flexible and practical kind of units that I can make for making the quilt. I usually make a whole shape. I'm not making a half shape because I want everything to be portable and I want to be able to scooch it over an inch if I need to. And if I already cut it in half, you know, too bad. <laughs> yeah. So I do a lot of cropping and a lot of whacking. And so I do get a lot of nice orphans for a day like this, dark and rainy, that I can get out and, and play with. So it's really just making shapes that then I start to play with and they start to talk to each other. Yeah. And this is exactly what you teach in your classes. And we're going to talk about your workshops and everything after the break. But now I want to talk a little bit about how you kind of lead a double life. So you design a quilt with all these amazing motifs, and then that rolls right into your fabric lines. So tell us, how did you get into fabric design? Well, like I said, I was a designer for, for many, many years. I never got my name on my designs. My boss got his name on it because he told me what to do. Mm -hmm. But here I heard about a new company that was starting up called Free Spirit. And the concept was that they would invite quilters to design fabrics that would be marketed exclusively or specifically to quilters. And once I heard that, I got on the horn right away. <laughs> and, and this was Donna Wilders. I said, Donna, can I please, please, please design for you? And she said, well, you were right here on my list. I was about to give you a call. So it was a, a mutual thing. And of course, I'm really enamored by Merameco fabric because I'm of that generation. And I always wanted to design fabric always wanted to. And so it was a, a wonderful opportunity. And sometimes it's weird because some people only know the fabric that I design and some people just know me for my art quilts and 
how do they relate to each other? But they do relate to each other. The subject matter is the same. And very often, one inspires the other. To me, I look at my free spirit fabric as art by the yard. Yeah. And when we look at your art and your art quilts, really, we see a lot of solids. We see the solids put together in this incredible way. And then you're taking that and you're making it accessible to quilters and sewists to use as fabric. So you're kind of putting us in awe with your designs and then you're taking those designs and giving them to us in another way. So so that's really kind uh, of cool. Yeah. And, and the same for me too. It, designing fabric has actually given me a way to make quilts that don't take quite so long. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you still get a big bang for your buck. Yeah. You know, they are very, very sophisticated. My pieced quilts with the free spirit fabric, very easy, easy piecing. It's the fabric that makes it look difficult and sophisticated yeah. when it really, really isn't. And so now I have even in my own home, you know, quilts that my family can actually use. Yeah. <laughs> And not get in trouble for, for you know, handling, which is re really wonderful. And my my house definitely is the laboratory for my free spirit fabric. I mean, yeah. we've got pillowcases, duvets. I mean, it's the only <laughs> fabric I, I can use, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's talk about your lines of fabric. So what was the first line of fabric you designed? Oh, goodness. Jane's Exotic Garden or something like that. <laughs> and everything is in the garden pretty much. But I do love to put in geometric fabrics as foils because all those flowers do need a little bit of contrast to pick up the whole composition in there. But yeah, I did a line a year for a long time and then for quite a while it was two lines a year. Wow. Which is frankly too much because you're designing a fabric when one fabric is just coming out in the store and you're getting strike offs from the line after that. So you've got all these <laughs> things going on in your head at, at one time. Yeah. And for me to be able to have a foot in both worlds, deciding one line a year is really the best way for me to go, that yeah. I can can share both worlds. And do you remember what it felt like to have that first fabric in your hands for the first time? Oh, the are first you one? kidding? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. When I got my first strike-offs, there was the printed salvage with Jane Sussman on the edge. <laughs> and oh, I was just, I still get a thrill out of seeing, seeing that, you know, it's, it's definitely a dream come true. So oh, that's I'm exciting. really thankful for that opportunity. Okay. And let's talk about your latest collection. Is it called A New Leaf? A new leaf, yes. That's what we all need right about now. I think after three years of <laughs> Oh God knows what's going to happen next. So, so I concentrated on on leaf designs for this, and a lot of greens and purples, which I find are a lot of people's favorite color 
combination. And it is a very refreshing color combination. So that's kind of the point of this new collection. Yeah, it's got it's got a beautiful spread some optimism. Yeah, it's <laughs> got the it's, world. It's very bright with color. It's got a beautiful assortment of all kinds of leaves. And then you've also thrown in some design like plaids and some rickrack even, which is really cute. And the dots are, oh, I love the dots too. Those look like little sunshines actually. So it really is a nice line. So if you want to take a look at this line of fabric, I'm going to tell you where to go right now. So you can go to freespiritfabrics.com and just type in a new leaf or Jane Sassman and you'll find her lines of fabric. So that's where you can go and check it out. And of course, you can find all of Jane's fabric in your local quilt shop. And if they don't have it, then you can ask them to bring in Free Spirit Fabrics. And, you know, then maybe one day they'll have it for you. So that's that's a great way to go about it. If you don't see a designer in your local quilt shop, let them know who you love and maybe they'll bring them in. Okay. So let's take a step into your patterns. So for years, you designed multiple quilts for each line of fabric. So let's talk about some of your best-selling patterns. Yes, I mean, I made four or five quilts for many years, so I've got, I don't know what, 150 free spirit quilts rolled up in wow. my studio. Maybe that'll be my retirement fund. What do you think? But, <laughs> I just have an auction. Yeah. But yeah, it was really nice because I got to have a show yeah. at the museum in Paducah and at AQS Grand Rapids a couple years ago, which forced me to go through all of them and label them and put tags on them so I can find them and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so I did do a book called Patchwork Sassman Style, mm -hmm. which came out of all these 150-some quilts that that I've made over the years because I've really learned how to deal with those big personality prints. Yeah. I mean, even I, you know, I design it, then I have to do something with it. I have to understand how to use it. And so I have learned a lot. For instance, like if you have a symmetrical print, it is dying to be fussy cut. Mm -hmm. And and I do do a lot of symmetrical prints. And so barn raising and carpenter's wheel, you know, and, and those aren't patterns that I personally sell, but would be created for free spirit, you know, so that stores could use them to make particular quilts. But in my book, it's really about learning how to read a fabric. Mm. And it always blows me away when people say, do, do you have a pattern for that? And I'm like, well, it's just six inch squares. <laughs> That's all it is, you know? Yeah. But, and I could make exactly the same quilt with eight inch squares mm -hmm. with a different fabric, you know? So you just, you let the fabric do the work for you. It does the heavy lifting. And those are really the most impressive with the fabrics that I designed for Free Spirit. It's letting the fabric speak for itself. Yeah. So if you want to check out some of Jane's patterns, you can go to her website. And some of the ones I like the most are Mods and Moons. Uh, that for... one is great because you can plug 
anything in that pattern from very simple boutique to, you know, a Tula, to a Jane, to a Case. Yeah. I've seen them all used in that pattern. It is, it is a nice pattern. Yeah. And tell us about Four Seasons. That is an applique interpretation and each with a tree in the middle. And the summer is a miniature, basically, willow quilt. So if you want a little willow quilt, (laughs) you could go that way. Okay. And one more pattern I want to talk about before we move deeper into your books is simple silhouettes. Oh, I love to do silhouettes. And maybe it's from my love of the arts and crafts movement and, and Art Nouveau to make a very graceful silhouette of a plant, a flower. And then that silhouette sits on top of a very simple print so it doesn't distract from the silhouette. And then the border is a more detailed print. Mm-hmm. And basically, here again, we're using the printed fabric instead of the applique fabric. And you can make those quilts, and they're absolutely stunning, Yeah, in a, a way shorter amount of time <laughs> than it would take you to applique the piece. Yeah. And they're just as beautiful, you know, as the others. So yeah, it's a good okay. way to go with those big prints. Yeah. Okay, so you've mentioned patchwork Sassman style, which beautifully illustrates your fabric in action. But I want to talk about the Quilted Garden, which features 20 years of your work. So tell us about that book. (laughs) My first 20 years, there's been a a second 20 years (laughs) after that. So there's some catching up to do here sometime in the future. But yeah, that lays out the basics of how I do my applique. You know, there are some evolutions that have happened over time, but basically that lays out my applique technique and it would get get you there for sure with the interfacing, finishing edges of your shapes, layering and cutting away. It's all in, in that book for sure. And you also have a Color My Garden coloring book. How did that come about? (laughs) Well, you know, there was that trend for a while. And I I do end up working on the computer, even though all my designs start with my hand. With my textile designs, they, of course, have to get scanned into the computer. And I work with the color and everything there. So I've got files and files and files of drawings, of outline drawings. And so I went into my file and pulled them out. And so it's just just fun. It's very detailed. And if you wanted to, you could enlarge some of those those pages. That would be really fun to pass around with your kids. That would be a, a good afternoon's rainy day activity. Yeah, it's so detailed and adult coloring books have been so popular over the last few years. And I imagine a lot of people really dove into it over the pandemic. So if you're interested in finding those, you can go to janesassaman.com. Just click on store, click on books, and they're all right there. Okay, now speaking of your website, your website is janesassaman.com. So what other kind of things can we find there? 
<laughs> well, I was a blogger for many, many years, so you can spend a good afternoon just poking through that. Since the pandemic, Instagram has definitely taken over as far as my daily communication. But for many years, I did a weekly blog. And so there is a lot of information there if you want to dig through it. Yeah. And I love that you call it the ideas blog. And there's <laughs> there's also an incredible gallery. So this is where I want to send people most. Go and look at the Fine Quilt Gallery and the Free Spirit Quilt Gallery. You, If you're listening right now, you can actually go to the website and look at it while you're listening. It's going to blow you away. Okay. So now I want to get into some of your wonderful collaborations. So let's start with Bernina. Oh, well, I am a Bernina girl, and I have since I got my first Bernina, 1130, back in the day. And everybody's job, a quilter's job, is to find out what your machine can do for you, to let it help say what you need to say. And that first 1130 had features that I still carry on with today on my 880, you know, that became part of my style. And once you learn what your machine can do, then you work with it. And I'm still every day when I go and look at my decorative stitches, you know, is there one that I haven't really exploited yet that can do something that I never knew? It could actually do. And machines are way smarter than we are these days. <laughs> but there's nothing like having the right tool for the job. And so over the years, have you been, have you just loved Bernina or have you been an ambassador or anything like that? Definitely been an ambassador. And there's a whole new wave coming in now as ambassadors. You're one, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. 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 See, so... So you guys are are taking over. I've I've invested in my lifetime machine, my 880. So I'm I am good to go. You oh, know, it, it, it is so fun to catch up with all the new innovations and everything that are are going on. Yeah, and you also have a nice collaboration with a certain type of thread that you love. So tell us about Superior. Well, I do almost all my quilting with 12-weight top stitching thread. And so I worked with Superior to create So Sassy, and that was their name. They came up with that, and that <laughs> made me very happy. So Sassy Thread. It's a poly thread. It leaves a nice line and it definitely is the icing on the cake. I'm not a free motion quilter, so this 12-weight thread really does the trick for me. And a 50-weight matching color in the bobbin, and a 14 or a 16 top stitching needle. Okay. And a long stitch, so... I'm yeah. got like a four or four and a half stitch length. So it looks almost like a Sashiko stitch. Yeah. And every shape that I applique gets outlined and inside with that heavy stitch. And it it just finishes everything off beautifully. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk a bit about travel. What are some of your favorite quilting events that you've attended in the past? Oh, goodness. There are just so many of them. But of course, I enjoy the four and five day events mm-hmm. a lot because you can really get something done in class. You can really share what what you know. And so, of course, Empty Schools and Art Quilt Tahoe and Hudson Valley Art Workshops, there are just a lot of great ones. And some I do every year and some I do every other year. And if you go to my website, you can see that this year I am teaching a lot of four and five day classes. So I'm going to be a happy camper this year. Yeah, your schedule is absolutely full. You have something almost every single month and multiple things each month all through 2023. So that's really exciting. Just go to her website and click on schedule and you'll see everywhere that she is. It's all laid out for you. Okay, and so some of the travel highlights, can you tell us about some of the big places like Japan and New Zealand and Australia? Well, yes, I did get to go to Japan. I would love to go back someday because I I won at the Quilt National years ago the Quilts Japan Award. So I got to teach and travel in Japan, which was absolutely wonderful. And I actually I had I had some quilts go to the new festival in Japan that happened this fall. I didn't yeah. go, but my quilts went. They've been more places than than I have have gone. And I think I've been to New Zealand three times, at least, and Australia a couple times, Germany, and and then going to do a tour of England this this year as well at the end yes. of the beginning of June. Let's talk and about I'm that. I'm really so- excited about that. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier to me that this is a bucket list trip coming up for you. (laughs) They said, where do you want to go? And I said, well, let me tell you. (laughs) We knew it was going to have something to do with plants and, you know, flora and fauna. So you are doing a tour with Opulent Quilt Journeys, just like me. I do a tour Mm -hmm. with them in August. So your tour is an English garden design tour in the end of May, beginning of June. So tell us about it. What are you going to do when you go there? Well, we're going all the way from Manchester to London and dropping in at gardens and museums all the way down. And wherever there's something that is arts and craft related, William Morris related, we're definitely dropping in at the Headcote Manor and the uh, Court Barn Museum the Ashmolean Museum, Kew Gardens, Morris's Red House, and quilt stores along the way. Opulent Journeys knows about some things that I don't know about, too. So they're tucking a lot of those goodies in there for us to see as well. But I'm just looking forward to absorbing shapes and colors and plants and We should all come home just bursting with inspiration. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. And if you've never taken a tour, Opulent Quilt Journeys is such a wonderful company to work with. I've been thrilled to work with them as well. And I'll give you an example of, you know, how great they are because I did England last year. 
And there was one little hiccup in the trip where one of our dinners was accidentally canceled by a tour operator. So we were suddenly looking for somewhere to eat. And so I called the company saying, okay, this has happened. And they said, Brandy, go have fun with the ladies and we will take care of it. They took care of it in, you know, 20 minutes flat. We had a new place to go. The quilters didn't even know the difference. It was wonderful. Nobody was worried about anything. So they really take care of you every step of the way. So if you're interested in going in this wonderful garden tour with Jane, you get to meet Jane Sassman. So that's the real deal. And then also you can just go to opulentquiltjourneys.com or you can call Judy directly at 1-877-235-3767 and she will take care of your trip start to finish. So you can give her a call anytime. So you teach and speak all over the world, actually, but you have a really packed schedule all over North America for 2023. So what are your most popular workshops? Well, abstracting from nature is really my go-to because you can learn everything in that. Of course, my technique doesn't change, but for different classes, we approach it from different angles. So still doing applique, the totem quilt, I'm doing that a few times this year, which is a really fun way to play. And you don't have to do plants unless you want to. I mean, you could do the solar system or ocean life or what, whatever your subject is, learning my technique of applique at the same time. Yeah. And another one that is turning out to be lots of fun is we, it's called Wings and Wedges. And we back fat quarters with interfacing. Uh-huh. And then we fold the fat quarters in half and we slice into them. Oh. And so we, it's like making a snowflake in a way, only yeah. a lot simpler. Yeah. So then you open up those pieces and because they're all at, you know, angles, they work in and out of each other. And we can get, you know, two, three quilt tops just out of those pieces. And it's non-specific. It's abstract, even though, yes, symmetrical, but real good practice at layering and cutting away behind layers. And it's just, it is fun. Yeah, they sound like a lot of fun. So let's talk about your lectures. So you have a couple of lectures that you offer. And do you do them on Zoom and live? Yeah, I can do either. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about Under the Influence. What's that? It's kind of an art history lesson, a survey of the the artists that have influenced me along the way. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps people see how, how I think how, you know, my translations come through. Yeah. And I love sharing the people that have influenced me along the way because that turns people on and they have a whole new, you know, person to research or discover, which for me, I love to find an artist that I've never even heard of before, but really speaks my language. So basically I'm exposing people to to those influences. Yeah, sounds really inspiring. And what what about quilting against the odds? That's about getting it done no matter you've got 
two little kids and a husband that collects stuff. And, you know, <laughs> if there's a will, there's a way, basically. So by showing the odds in my life, hopefully I am encouraging people to carry on the best they can in their own life. And, and it probably in the long run makes their life look not quite so bad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So that's more like your story, right? Yeah. Okay. And then the third one is Jane's textile treasure garden. Now this one sounds like it might be a trunk show. I do bring a lot of quilts, but yes, it's about the process of designing fabric from start to finish. And then the process and possibilities of using big personality prints. So, yeah. 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 Sounds so good. Okay. So before we go to a break, we're going to ask you my favorite question of all time in your quilting world, what brings you joy? <laughs> well, I have to say that right now, after many years of working at the only table in the house, that now I have my own building. Oh, nice. With big work tables and all my fabric and my Bernina and my thread, lots of threads, bins and bins of threads and tons of fabric. And I spend every day that I'm home in the studio oh, from morning that, until dinner time. That's sweet. And um they just have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we are actually going to get into your studio a little bit more right after the break. So right now we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about Jane's studio space, some big news coming up and what's coming soon. We'll be right back. Whatnot.com is a proud supporter of the Quilter on Fire podcast. Whatnot is a social marketplace where you can discover some of your favorite products and buy top fabric and quilting tools for absolute steals. It is the leading live shopping app for quilting and sewing. And it is not only for buyers who want a great deal. You can also be a live seller and de-stash your extra products easily through the Whatnot app. Check it out at whatnot.com. Award-winning quilter and free spirit designer Jane Sassman's exuberant quilt and fabric designs have attracted worldwide recognition. Influenced by 19th century arts and crafts designers, her work is abstracted from nature, but her signature graphic style is totally contemporary. Jane's large-scaled and colorfully enthusiastic designs are always recognizable for their bold color and graphic style. She is also the author of The Quilted Garden, which includes 20 years of her work and exercises for making nature-inspired quilts. You can learn more about Jane at freespiritfabrics.com or on Instagram at Jane Sassman. And we are back with Jane Sassman. And Jane, I want you to describe your studio space to us. Tell us where you work. Well, it's a separate building. And the house is actually built on a knoll. And I'm down down the hill from the house. I mean, I can see it from here. It's not like a, a far far away or, or anything. But I do have to go out, put my coat on and go, go outside to get there. And on a real snowy, icy day, I actually just sit down on my backside and scooch down to, to you really? <laughs> the studio. 
<laughs> so I, I'm pretty determined to get there, I guess. But And so there's a big room, which is the making room. So that's the sewing machines and the tables and the fabric and and all of that jazz. And the second room is uh, where I'm sitting now is where the computer and my three printers and my library, my rolled up quilts, the storage happens in here. So yeah, I'm really self-contained, which is really quite nice. Sounds like a nice creative escape. So what is your favorite time of day? Oh, well, I'm more of a morning person than a nighttime person. The weather has not been that great. I mean, I try to go walking, but in the wintertime, and my daughter's here, which is really nice to have a partner to walk with, gets you out where you could talk yourself out of it Yeah, <laughs> pretty easily. So in the winter, we have a 20 degree rule. So if it's over 20 degrees, we go out and walk. And if it's under 20 degrees, we get to stay home. Yeah. So I try to walk first thing and then I can quilt without guilt for the rest of the day. Ah. And that's 20 degrees Fahrenheit because up here in Canada, that would be like late spring, nice warm summer day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Well, we've been lucky so far this year. We've yeah. missed all this craziness. Knock on wood. Yeah. So let's get into your samples because, I mean, you have literally made hundreds of quilts over the years. So just the samples alone, I mean, do you make them all yourself or do you have an army of people helping you with finishing and quilting and things like that? Basically, I do make them all myself. I do have a friend, Susan Timpen, who makes a lot of the other things, you know, because we have patterns for tea cozies and scarves and yeah. napkins and all those kinds of things. And I prefer to spend my time making quilts. And she's dynamite with zippers and, you know, clothing and all that kind of stuff. So I, I say, Susan, wouldn't you like to make, make this for me? And that's been a really nice collaboration. Yeah. And this week, my daughter has been sewing pillowcases. She used to have a, an Etsy store making pillowcases from Stassman Fabric because she has access to the mother Yeah. <laughs> so I put her to work doing that this, this week while I was working on, on my quilting. So I do have some help in that respect. For my art quilts, I do it all. I do every part of it. Yeah. That's just me. A lot of times with the free spirit quilts too, I will put the top together depending on the time limitations. You know, if it had if a sample needs to get to Houston or market or something like that, I try to line up some long arm quilters to yeah. work work on those. And Carol Ann McCandless has been doing recently, last couple of years, most of that quilting. And that has worked out really nicely because I can't do it all, even though I would like to do it all. Yeah. I just can't always manage that. And you talked about rolling. So rolling probably your patchwork quilts and storing them that way. And how do you store your art quilts? Do you have to lay them flat? Or are they rollable too? They roll as well. 
Okay. With the interfacing in there, I might fold them up to put them in a suitcase to go somewhere. But as soon as they get there, they get unfolded and laid flat. Yeah, I try to treat them with respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. So let's talk a little bit more about your accolades. Now, you mentioned the Quilts Japan Award, which is so wonderful through Quilt National. You got a whole trip out of that and you're able to teach there. And you also mentioned your free spirit quilts that hung at the Quilt Museum in Paducah. So that's really cool. That there, How many quilts were in that show? Not that many, but they were good size quilts. The free spirit quilts can grow in volume more than the applique quilts do because if yeah. you have a big print you cut big pieces and it it makes for a bigger bigger quilt yeah but. yeah so you've had you've had those quilts in AQS in Grand Rapids as well you've also won a few awards at Houston over the years so so we'll have those photos in the Tuesday podcast preview which quilts you won a second and third at Houston so which quilts were those I did. I, I think the second was the quilt Radiance, inspired by nature, but not specifically, so nature shapes. And the third prize was for my second Illinois album quilt, which has marigolds and bumblebees and coxcomb flower and bachelor buttons. Those so can we... So can we get a glimpse or an idea of what's on your design wall right now for your next art quilt? What are you working on right now? <laughs> right now, I am working on horsetail reeds. Oh. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but most of us Midwestern kids anyway, but they grow all over the place in different different varieties of a horsetail, but it's a... It's a long, skinny reed, like a piece of miniature bamboo, almost. Okay. Yeah. But the ones that I'm familiar with are only a quarter inch, you know, in diameter. Mm -hmm. But the ones that I'm making are three inches to six <laughs> inches in diameter. So they're really exploded tall. So it's a long, green, skinny strips that I'm working on right now. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Abstracted to the max. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And are you allowed to give us a sneak peek about any new fabric lines coming out in 2024? Well, you'll have to ask Free Spirit about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that it's going to be a pretty nice line. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it, and that's always a, a good sign when you've done all the tweaking that, that you can do, and you get the yeah. green light, and it's good to go. And I think it's got some really nice, nice potential. Yeah. So get on Jane's Instagram to hear about that. Okay, so now it's time for the lightning round robin. It's a series of rapid fire <laughs> questions, <laughs> and it's super fun. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your favorite tool or notion? Oh, well, you might have guessed it's it's definitely my, my Bernina. Okay. Do you have any kind of personal reward system for getting things done? I'm a very, very disciplined person, and I can't stand not to be making a quilt for very long. 
And so I guess my reward is just knowing that I get to make another quilt. Yeah, that's so great. Okay, have you had any weird, funny, or crazy quilting moments? Yes, I have had a few, but the one who that comes to mind, but besides the lady who thought my quilts looked like a nightmare, one Saturday morning, I, I was at my local grocery store looking at the green peppers, I think, and and a woman came up to me and she said, you're Jane Sassman, aren't you? And I was taken aback because I didn't know who she was. And I said, well, yes. And, and she said, well, I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> and she said, I want to know why all the plants that you portray are highly poisonous plants. <laughs> and we talked, I don't know, you know, for 20 minutes in the vegetable aisle, me trying to defend my myself, the fact that it's, they're not always poisonous plants, they are sometimes, but the fact that they are poisonous or hallucinogenic just kind of adds a little (laughs) subversion in there, like we talked about, about before. Yeah. But she was, she really didn't understand my attraction to those dangerous kinds of of things but it definitely gave me something to think about i i had no idea that i was um offending people (laughs) by my choice of of plants she just wanted to call you out right in the middle of the grocery store (laughs) (laughs) that's great okay do you have any favorite collections of things i married a man who collects things and so my collections all have to do with with my work, you know, yeah. with the fabric and the thread and, and things like that, because there are piles of stuff in the house, in the yard, you know. Ah, so, <laughs> so you're I'm all trying for... to I'm trying to slim down. Yeah, you're all for getting rid of yeah. collections. Yeah, we're kind of balance each other out, I guess. <laughs> okay, has there been a mentor who's really influenced you along the way? Oh, you know, definitely Carol Breyer Fallard. Gentry has been one along the way. All those first wave quilters, I am so thankful for the pathway that they paved for those that came behind them. And I I think quilters in general are a pretty sharing group of people. If you ask a quilter how to do it, I'm afraid they're going to tell you more than you might want to know. But I think our community is is a real special place to be. And when I travel, I absolutely love the fact that I'm surrounded by these awesome, intelligent, interesting people, mostly women. But what a gift to be able to converse with such interesting folks all the yeah. time. I I just feel, you know, going to the airport is no fun. But once you get there and your friends are there, it's a really, really lovely situation. 
Yeah, how sweet. Well, thank you so much for braving the lightning round, Robin. You did very well. And that was a <laughs> lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Okay, so I've mentioned your website, janesassman.com, where you can find everything you offer. And we've also mentioned your Instagram handle is at janesassman. So I'll just spell it so people know it's J-A-N-E-S-A-S-S-A-M-A-N. And now it's time to mention this week's contest giveaway. It's one 14-piece fat quarter bundle featuring a new leaf by Jane Sassaman, and that is a free spirit fabrics. And also they're giving away one 20-piece fat quarter mystery bundle featuring assorted free spirit fabric designers. This has a retail value of almost $100, so a huge thank you goes out to free spirit fabrics for their generous prize. Okay. Now, as we wrap up, Jane, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? Well, I have to say that I love the title of your podcast, Quilter on Fire. And that just, in my mind, just makes me happy because, you know, sewing is not that exciting. (laughs) It may be to me, but. To most people, it isn't. But that's the way it feels to me, is on fire. And Uh I think that is just a perfect, perfect name for a podcast. And from here on out, I'm... That's how I'm going to imagine myself, with sparks coming out of my my fingertips. Good for you. Thank you Uh for giving me that (laughs) wonderful image. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for being on the show. And thank you for the kind words. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing your story. Well, thanks for being interested. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Okay. So that was my show with Jane Sassaman. Something you will instantly admire when you peruse through the gallery on her website is her consistently bold and brilliant aesthetic and the high level of quality in her work. I recommend that you scroll through her ideas blog as far back as you have time for because this is where she has shared her inspirations, techniques, and some of her projects in process from start to finish. Her schedule for 2023 is jam-packed with teaching all over the U.S. And don't forget, her English Garden and Design Tour is coming up this spring. So go to opulentquiltjourneys.com to check that out if you want to meet Jane in person and travel with her. And today, I loved sharing her story with you. Are you a quilter who wants to get creative and take a step into textile art? Well, you've come to the right place. I just launched my first boot camp in January called Square One Stepping into Textile Art, and I'll be launching it again soon. I had over 70 registrants and we had so much fun in the live sessions and in the Facebook group. Taking a quilter from thinking they're just not that creative to making their first textile art piece just brings me pure joy. Make sure you're on the Quilter on Fire newsletter to be first to hear about the next launch date. And have you always dreamed of going to the Festival of Quilts Birmingham? Well, grab a friend and book your summer holiday with me. And even if you are a lone traveler, I know this itinerary inside out so you can relax and enjoy while every moment is planned for you. This is a tour of England and Wales ending with the Festival of Quilts. Book your spot today by calling Judy at Opulent Quilt Journeys, 1-877-235-3767. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.